Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Today I'm talking to Chris Tudor and Chris is the founder of Massalit, an education website that works with university academics to create short video lectures for GCSE and A-level students. The site's 3,000 lectures have been watched more than 4.5 million times. Now this conversation is really interesting in terms of, of how working with academics, with universities and the, the divide between schooling and university works and, and I think you'll find there's some really interesting and, and important information there that we discuss as we go through this interview. If you want to continue this conversation, please go to educationonfire.com. If you sign up to the newsletter, you get our top 10 free download resource and also an invitation to our private Facebook group where we continue these conversations, have a growing group of people who are really excited and wanting to support children in all facets of their learning. This is my conversation with Chris Tudor, the founder of Massalit. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for being on the Education on Fire podcast and um, really looking forward to chatting about Massalit and everything that that's involved with. So give us a little bit of a, a background, first of all, in terms of exactly what it is and what it is that you produce. So Massalit has been going for about seven years now. And what we do is we work with university, university academics to create short little video lectures for GCSE and A-level kids. And the focus is really on arts and humanities, although we've recently pushed into um, social sciences um, last year with um, a set of lectures on psychology as well. And what I really liked when I first came across this was the fact that the best way to learn is to learn from the best. And and it would seem to me that by being able to watch these videos and to actually be learning from academics like that, that has to be learning from the best just by its um, by description teachers are always told to kind of keep up to date with subject knowledge and it's just impossible basically you know if you're a teacher an a-level teacher and you're teaching hamlet and you're teaching streetcar named desire and you're teaching kind of poetry and a poetry anthology there's probably more books published on hamlet every year than than someone could read in their lifetime and so te- i think teacher it's not it's not unfair to say teachers need a bit of help revising their subject knowledge or or, or you know having so- having someone having a Shakespeare academic who, who kind of is totally immersed in it all, just giving them a few thoughts about it is, is bound to be useful. And that, I think that's something that only an academic can do. That That's what I think the value of academics is. I think that's true. And I, and I, I sort of think back to actually when I was at, Actually, I guess the same sort of age, even at school, as I started to get more and more involved in music, you know, I started to spread out my my learning through certain specialisms you know I had my music teachers I even had my my drum teacher who I'd been with sort of since year seven but then as I started doing more orchestral percussion and timpani you know I'd sort of gone through the county system I then got involved with some professionals because I just wanted to have that that's what they're that specific thing is what they're doing all the time and and like I say it's that specialism which which rubs off in a way that people who are doing things a bit more general are unable to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and and by the way, I mean, the other thing that, that academics are great for is the kind of recency of their knowledge. So if you're a teacher, you, you know, you've gone to university to do your degree in, let's say, English literature. The last lecture you may have gone to might, might be a decade ago or 15 years ago. 
and, and actually you know fields move on or kind of there's new kind of areas of focus or there's new if, if you're doing ancient history or classics there's new kind of sources discovered and things like that and the idea that you can just log on to our website and and have it kind of immediately there before you the latest research so some of the stuff we have on the site is is unpublished as well because because the you know that i spoke to my old tutor the other day and he's been writing an article for the last four years and it's and it's the proofs have come out just now and that, and, and it's and and so you know for he had these ideas four years ago and, and they're still not published anywhere and yet when we film these academics they can just immediately kind of tell teachers and tell students what what the absolute latest stuff is in the field it's brilliant yeah, I love that, and I think also, I, I like I like the continual learning aspect of it because I think, you know, as students, you're learning because you're you're in school and and you've got a curricula to follow and all of that kind of thing, and that sense that I'm now going to go and do CPD, you know, I'm going to be away for a day or I'm going to have a course on something. It's sort of a little bit kind of jumping backwards and forwards, a little bit of this, now I'm back in school teaching. Um, and however, that kind of thing sort of feels a little bit old hat in some ways, whereas the ability to know that you've got access to all the sorts of things that you can learn and develop and immerse yourself in, especially if it's a subject, obviously, that you're really interested in, because that's what you were studying to begin with. That's a much more kind of flexible, fluid way of just immersing yourself in the subject, which must come across beneficially for the students through the teacher. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and I think, I mean, there was this report that came out a few years ago now from the Southern Trust, and it, and it kind of, it was called What Makes Great Teaching? And I think the number one thing that makes great teaching, according to this report, was um, teacher subject knowledge. And so when you have this resource that allows teachers to constantly add to their subject knowledge, that has to, I mean, that has to benefit the kids, I think. And you talked about sort of the wide range of things that you cover, but I mean, you've got so many videos on your site. Give us a little bit of an idea of the breadth in terms of the number of videos, the number of people who've been on the site, and 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 some of a bit um a bit, a bit more detail in in some of those areas. So as as I said, um, we were founded seven years ago, and in that time, we have filmed a lot of stuff. Um, the latest count is we're on about three thousand lectures. And they're all arranged into courses. So a course might contain five or six lectures. Some are a bit longer. Um, some of the Shakespeare ones, you know, there's, there's a lecture for every single scene in the play. So they might, they might be kind of um, 15, 16, 17 um, lectures long. But 3,000 total. Um, I, I can't remember how many academics we've actually filmed, but I know we've been to 60 universities. Um, and in December, I was in Hong Kong, which is our first international academic. Um, this guy, amazing guy, really. He he's now an academic but he used to be a journalist and he was one of the very first western journalists who were allowed was allowed into china after the death of mao and think i think he set up the the wall street journal or something in in, in beijing and he did a set of lectures for us on china under deng Xiaoping. so he's, he's had that kind of real experience and that was that was a guy in hong kong which was amazing in terms of the kind of spread of topics, we, we, I mean, we currently run six subjects, English, history, philosophy, classics, politics, and psychology. But within each of those, there's, there's an enormous amount. Um, and one of the things I'm kind of quite proud of is that although a lot of the stuff, most of the stuff is very much linked to the curriculum. So you get your streetcar named Desire, and you, got, you get your kind of Virgil and your Cicero. There is a, lo a load of stuff on there as well, which is just kind of totally random. 
you know, there's a course on comparative philology, which we did with one of the best philologists in the country, which I don't think anyone studies at school, but it's just interesting. Um, there's this stuff on the philosophy of time travel, just because I found it interesting. So it's, it's a real, I think it's a real treasure trove, basically. Yeah. And and I love that fact that, you know, like we, we talked about immersing yourself in your particular subject that you're interested in, but just immersing yourself in an area of life which you're interested in, which it sounds like you did it. And, and that's always the best way of starting these things. So t- tell us a bit about the, the history of why you decided to start it and um, and what was the sort of the, the impetus for that? So oh, where do I start? So I think I've always been interested in kind of academia. Um, I was, I was you know, pretty good academically at school. Um, I finished my degree and I immediately did a master's in classics and ancient history. Ended up teaching in my last year, um, teaching Greek and Latin and Asian history um, to um, undergraduates. And... So I've got that, you know, I've got that kind of sub, how do I put this? I'm, I'm kind of passionate about it, I guess, passionate, passionate about um, history and literature and all that kind of stuff. So that, that was always there. After that, I then became a strategy consultant, which is a kind of businessy job where you kind of advise businesses what to do, um, broadly speaking. And I did a couple of really interesting projects there, um, two of them in education. One of them was, I don't know if you remember, um, when the Liberal Democrats announced that they were offering free school meals for all kids under a certain age, or there was some, there was some policy about that, I can't remember when it was now, but but I did some of the work on that, and um, there was an interesting project on an, with an academic publisher, and 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 kind of seeing how they worked and how they operated kind of opened my eyes to, I guess the business of edu- education, I suppose, I don't know, um, but. I, was, I still kind of was keeping my eye in with the classics a lot and I was tutoring people um, uh, and, and doing a bit more of that and, and I and I kind of always knew I was going to wanted to start a business um, I, I don't know why I wanted to start a business I, I guess part of it was because I, I felt when I was when I was a consultant I felt why was I spending my time helping other people make their business better when I could be doing my own and, and having people help me make my business better so I, I kind of packed it all in, um, as I say, about seven years ago. This was this was 2013, and and, the, and what was going on at this time was there was this massive kind of push in video lectures. It was kind of a really weird time. Um, so edX was founded about then, FutureLearn, Coursera, Khan Academy, all all of them at the same time. But if you look at all of them, I don't, I don't know what they're like now, but if you looked at them back in 20, 2013, they all focused on computer science and mathsy, businessy, economicy kind of stuff. And I just thought, you know, why is no one doing this for literature or, or history or philosophy? So, so the kind of stars aligned you know, in a way. And I kind of thought, you know, I want to start my business, own business anyway. I'm interested in literature and the arts. I feel like there's a bit of a gap in the market to kind of do this, do to, to kind of address an area that these other companies aren't addressing, and I, I kind of went for it, and I, and I happened at the time I, I lived with a filmmaker, and he he helped me film the first couple of sessions. He lent me his camera and stuff, and I saved up a bit of money doing my job, and I, I and, and and I guess my view was, you know, if if it doesn't work out, then at least I've learned something, and I, and it would be it'd be fun, and you know I can I can try and find another job, and that, that was kind of my attitude going into it. But it's just, you know, ever since then, it's it's kind of just grown steadily and I'm still doing it. Here I am kind of seven years later, still doing it. 
Yeah, I mean, I love the philosophy of, you know, giving it a go, you know, that kind of if not now when kind of thing, you know, and like I say, when you can start to really explore enough about what your passions are and being able to put that into some kind of formal business or, or organization or whatever and it seems like that's sort of how you got there and I was interesting that you mentioned about the Khan Academy and that kind of thing I mean they're sort of specifically you can kind of teach yourself can't you and and be examined as it were and kind of graded and, and take you through a whole kind of curriculum um is that the sort of thing that you do as well or is yours literally the, the fact that you cover the subject matter through through your lectures and through your courses um, but you still need that teacher element in terms of what you then produce after that or is that all part of what you provide? I mean that's that's a great question um, and the answer is that we're definitely we definitely see ourselves as a kind of tool to help teachers doing what they do in the classroom we, you know we don't we don't offer the, the full kind of service we don't offer any kind of assessment on the sites um, or any kind of homework exercises it's just this huge library of videos and it's up to teachers really to kind of decide how best to use them and, and as i said i mean some teachers don't show their kids at all because it's just about them improving their own subject knowledge some teachers will play it in class and kind of start a discussion and and, and get the kids to make notes um on on, on the videos as, as they're watching them um but yeah definitely i, I think i think the problem that a lot of the competitors have run into, or not, not really competitors, you know, the Coursera and Khan Academy have run into is the fact that it's very, very, very hard for technology to replace a teacher. You know, and I, I think their attempts at doing kind of assessments, I mean, how, how do you, how do you kind of, how do you mark an essay on Shakespeare? How does, compu how does a computer do that, basically? And, and the answer is, well, the answer is, for me, it's, it, it can't at the moment. Uh, and so, what do you do instead? In, in, a, in a, how, how do you say you have a million essays to get to have marked? It, well, the well, the answer is you don't set essays, and you have you, you kind of reduce Hamlet or Macbeth to just multiple choice questions. Yeah, and and I guess that's the reason that what you're doing sits so beautifully amongst all of those things because it is providing. It's not trying to provide the same solution in a different subject area. It's actually opening up that whole conversation of debate about the fact we're giving you resources and understanding and knowledge that are going to is enhancing everything that you're doing but we're not trying to take you away from the classroom we're actually trying to enhance what you have available at your fingertips yeah totally and and, and by the way i mean when i was teaching for a bit at oxford's I, I was teaching quite a lot on stuff i didn't know much about you know so i remember one time when i had to teach seneca there's two Senecas. Um, this, this was, I think it was the younger one. I don't know which one. I don't even know which one it was. I was teaching Seneca for, for a Latin class. And it was at that point, I, you know, what do you do if you don't know about it? It's Sunday evening and you, you've got to kind of get some subject knowledge. Where'd you go for it, basically? And you Google it and YouTube said, there's, no, there's really nothing on there. And so, I mean, that, that's, that's enough of a problem being solved. You know, you know j just having the, the videos available that you can log in and, and kind of get some top quality subject knowledge from a university academic that I feel that's enough of a service. I, we don't need to offer, we don't, we don't need to try and replace all the other stuff that schools do. That, that's, that's kind of my, that's kind of my view of it. Yeah, no, that's, I completely understand that. And, and like you said, you know, you go onto YouTube and you put in 
what you're looking for. And then what happens is, is you get your however many thousands of um, options that you can then work through. But you then have to sit there for that amount of time to work out which is either correct or wrong or actually fits the sort of thing you want to learn. And and by having a place that you can go in, you know the sorts of things that you're going to get and the quality and the format and the way it's going to be produced just takes all of that kind of unknown away. And like I say, and time is especially a key factor for everyone in education and so to have certain pockets of information that you can go for certain things um just really to solve that problem well yeah that's the idea you know i think teachers have teachers are slammed aren't they they've got all this marking to do all this kind of lesson prep they they work a lot of hours um teachers and so you know the idea of yeah as, as you say i mean youtube you search for frankenstein lecture on youtube and you get hundred thousand views a hundred thousand results and um some of them are just kind of um, kids projects that aren't really relevant some of them are, are lectures from um you know 20 years ago some of them are lectures more recent more recent lectures but they're kind of two hours long and, and it's just it just takes ages going through all that and, and, I'm, and i'm sure youtube probably probably has a brilliant frankenstein lecture that that would be exactly what you're looking for but it's no good if it takes you three hours to find it and so and so what we do you know because you know when you come onto our sites that everyone there is a kind of a proper academic and because you know each of the videos are kind of eight eight nine minutes long and because you know uh, that they've been designed with kind of gcse or a level kids in mind hopefully it, it takes out all that kind of search time so you can go straight on the site and, and go straight to the lecture and, and hopefully it'll be immediately what you're looking for and that's that's the idea yeah and um and i guess the quality is also an important issue i know often i go onto youtube because i'm searching for a recording of something i might be teaching or something i need to be playing and what like you say one of them just happens to be a, a school hall version of something with someone probably a parent at the back with an iphone um and and it's really hard to hear and to see and you've got people in the way and so actually having something which is professionally produced you know in terms of you can hear you can see it's set up in a way which just makes the whole experience not just more pleasurable but actually a much more easier way to consume the content because there's nothing else all getting in the way yeah, exactly. And, and you know, we, we, we often get academics getting in touch with us saying, oh, can I just um, film myself or can I, you know, or yeah, or use the lecture at capture software or something like that. And, and I, I actually insist that we, we go and film them. Not at the moment, obviously, uh, for obvious reasons, but um, you know, going, going to film them, having them probably, pro- properly mic'd up, a proper camera, pro- properly framed. Um, and, you know, you know we, do all, we do all the filming ourselves as well. You know, we, we, we don't kind of ever rely on, rely on other people to do it because we want to get it right. And, and you're totally right about, I, th- I think bad sounds probably ruins, oh, I don't know, an enormous percentage of, of, of otherwise quite good educational content. Yeah. So I, I, think it is, I think it is important to kind of get it right, so especially if you're showing it in the classroom. Yes, absolutely. And th- there, there are a couple of things there that I wanted to pick up on. One is the fact that um, I've been doing quite a lot of, um, sort of research on YouTube and that kind of thing and in the way people learn online um, and one of the things is just sort of having that capture of attention and things changing and moving and that kind of thing and I, and I liked what you said about the fact that some teachers might play the video in the classroom but maybe only some of it in terms of starting a conversation or whatever because that that sense that the lessons can 
changed they could be set up in different ways you can you can approach everything it might be the the teacher has done the research and watched it and bring the whole thing together themselves it might be they watch the whole lecture it might be they do part of it I love the fact that it just gives those different options and it gives the the teacher the the opportunity to to show up to maybe to the same type of subject but in different ways on different days and I and I think from a, a student point of view as well that gives them a different learning experience which I think when it's varied it just it's much easier to engage with. Well, what I, I mean, it's interesting because I, I remember speaking to my old um, classics teacher about this and I said this is this is five years ago now and and I said to him. Um, you know, how, how are you finding the how are you finding the lectures and he said something that has been repeated to me by a couple of teachers since then and he said look it's it's not even that what these people are saying is is anything i haven't said myself you know, I, I kind of know enough about the subject to kind of do this all myself but it's just the fact that it's an academic saying it that suddenly the kids listen a bit more mm. or, or even better you know when they see kind of professor so-and-so say exactly what i've just said the, the kids suddenly think, oh, you know, the teacher, maybe the teacher does know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. it's kind of that kind of, comp- it's, and, and that's something I've heard from a couple of um, teachers. So so there's there's a kind of variety kind of point there, but it's also, I, I guess you want to call it, I don't know, t- credibility. I mean, the, 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 I guess the teacher looks more credible when, yeah. when you've got an academic saying exactly the same thing that they've just said. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And I, I find that actually sometimes when I'm, when I'm teaching drums and percussion is that, to begin with you know you're teaching this stuff and you're just the person that comes and does it and then you sort of it's there's, there's a little bit of a framework around it because you suddenly start talking about the fact you were doing this gig yesterday or this concert or this recording and they're like oh like you really know what you're talking about and you've got something outside of, <laughs> of just being mr taylor who's in the classroom kind of thing and i think in some ways it's the same sort of thing isn't it? you know you're just the teacher in the classroom, but actually you're talking the same language, the same the same understanding as this academic who is from wherever. And and I think I think it's the same sort of thing, like say it's credibility, I guess, in, in a nutshell. Yeah, and, and the other thing, just to go back to something you mentioned about um, teachers stopping and starting it in class, one of the best uses of our videos this is I went to I went to visit a whole load of schools last year. Um, I spoke to spoke to teachers about this is when the kind of academic says something controversial or maybe even wrong, not, not wrong, but questionable, let's say. And that's great because the kids can kind of latch on that and the teacher can stop the video at that point and go, you know, what do you think of that point? Or, you know, do you agree with that? And all of a sudden you've got this kind of dialogue, although it's not, it's not a face-to-face dialogue, but these kids kind of feel like they can kind of, let's say, stand kind of face-to-face with the academic and, and, and kind of argue back and or, or kind of say, actually, I don't I don't quite agree with what, what you're saying. And I think that is a really useful kind of academic skill, especially for those kids who are going to then go on to university and, and read these subjects at university. Just, you know, not, not being overawed by these academics and, 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 and kind of being, being willing and able to kind of question what they're saying. I, I think that, that is very, very useful. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think that interaction, like you're saying, that all us all being in it together rather than just you're giving me information and I'm consuming it. It's just a whole different world when you're learning in that way. So tell us a little bit about how you choose which universities, which academics to, to work with. Do, do you sort of go out and find the people that you, you want to interview or do they, if they now got to the stage where they want to come and be part of what you're providing? How does that work? So we... The way that the way it works is that we 
have a bunch of topics that we want to cover and we will try and find the best academic in the country for that topic and the way we define best is someone who has researched in that specific area and it, and they, that could be at any university in the country um so i mean i'm thinking of some examples i, I, I filmed recently I, we did something recently on the second amendment for, for politics and um there was a guy based at sunderland university that had written a big book on the second amendment um, and we thought he's the guy to go to and so we, there's a lot of time spent researching who's written books on this stuff and who's kind of done conference talks or who's done um and and, and, and um recommendations from other academics so sometimes we'll go to one academic and say we want someone to talk about um, cardinal woolsey or thomas cromwell or, or someone like that and, and they'll say well I, you know i could do that but the, the person you really want to speak to is this person um and so that's 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 the kind of way we think about it yeah. and and then you know once we booked them all in then it's a case of just traveling all around the country and, and filming them i love it I, th- I think it's such a it's such a great way of of like to say feeling like you're able to pull that knowledge share that knowledge and bridge that gap slightly between the school and the university sectors and i think i think all of these ideas that just make a student feel like you're just on a continual learning path with different people rather than sectioned into primary school and secondary school and university i think is great because you know we we know as you know the older generation as it were that you don't stop learning just because you finish any of those stages you're constantly learning all the time and developing and uh and I think being able to show that through that academic side and, and a university lecturer being able to do that just bridges that gap in a way which almost has no sort of, I had the best way to describe it, has no need to go to a university. But you, the the way that it comes across obviously is different than being in a school classroom. Well, I think I mean, thinking about the kind of gap between A-level and university, I mean, going going back to where this all came from, that, that was part of the consideration as well. You know, you know, we spoke, I spoke about why we started this, but you know, a lot of university tutors, I was chatting to around that time, were saying that the gap between what kids were learning at A-level and what was expected of, the, of them when they arrived at university was growing. And, and, that, and that was something else I wanted, I, I guess I wanted to address that as well, in, in the way that you've just described. And, 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 and it, part of that is, is just the different way university academics speak about topics. Or, or, or the language they use or, or just the topics that the topics they the, the different kinds of topics they will talk about so I, I remember from when i was at school gcse for me was kind of you know you went you, you learned what you needed to do, to do and then you kind of did basically what you had to do in class and you revised and did all that and then you managed to do your exams and then when I became a sit form and we did A-levels that there was there was suddenly kind of an an automatic assumption that you knew that you needed to do stuff outside of the classroom and extra work and revision and research and that kind of thing and then there's a big change then for when you go to university where it's you know you go to your lectures and then a lot of it is, is, is left to your own devices. And I guess this is a way of being able to, to understand the different types of those learning things from your own perspective, rather than just what you're expected to do from the establishment that you're in. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's totally true. And I mean, I think one of the great developments in let's say sick form education over the last decade is the whole idea of the independent project, extended, extended learning project, which I think a huge percentage of sick form kids do now. 
which is where they kind of they pick a kind of research question they want to kind of do their own work on and go away and do the research on it and that that's the kind of area where our stuff comes into its own because they the, you know the massively is their oyster and they can go and learn as i say philosophy of time travel or you know u.s civil rights or you know of it or you know, there's there's an enormous amount of um research there but but the other thing the other thing is that the, the idea of being lectured to by a kind of older person who just talks at you for a, for a long time is completely alien i think to, to most sixth form students and, and why wouldn't it be because they that's not how teaching works at, at school and yet you arrive at university and, and a lot of it is that and so if what if if part of what we do is to show to, to kind of train kids into into kind of how to listen to lectures and, and how that works i think that's a that's a good thing as well because i guess essentially what's happening is in in a video and audio setting you're immersing yourself in knowledge that you want to then be able to recreate represent articulate in a way that is relevant to being at university in whatever form that happens to be and, and like you say i guess that transition from understanding that at school as well makes that a much smoother process yeah and, and actually i mean one thing i would add to what i just said was i think i mean i put it this way i, I went to a kind of good grammar school and so we from day one we were kind of taught to write in kind of academic language and, and I, we knew how to write kind of in proper full sentences and you know the, the kind of way you'd write an essay at university i kind of we, we were taught that from day one i think that's probably unusual and i think i think there'll be lots of kids who probably you know haven't been exposed to academic language or, or what an academic argument looks like or how academics speak like you know, the kinds of things that you can say in, a, in an academic essay and the kind of things you, do, you don't say so I, th I think even even more kind of basic than the actual kind of subject knowledge and kind of what they're talking about, it, it's kind of how they're articulating it will be really useful for lots of kids, I think. Yeah, I think that's true. And you touched there on on a really valuable school experience. Is there anything else about your your personal school experience and and any teachers that made a big difference to your life? And I guess that can that can sort of be broadened into any any part of your sort of academic learning. I, I was really lucky. Um, as I say, I went I went to a good good grammar school and it was just full of great teachers um i got i've got so many good memories of, of teachers i guess i guess the one shout out i would i would give is to mr craig who's my my classics teacher and he was the guy who you know i, I when i chose my a levels i was doing all this mathsy stuff so i was doing ma maths further maths physics economics and then i, then I did um, classical civilization as a kind of for the variety and he was just inspirational and you know i, I absolutely loved his subject because, because of him and from there, I kind of, well, I guess I, I dropped all the mathsy stuff and went and did classics at university. But he, he was hilarious. You know, he, he was, a, anyone who went to my school in those years, he, he taught there for a long time, will remember him. And, and he's, he was a very, very good teacher and very funny, funny guy and, and, and brilliant. I mean, the other, I mean, I get, loads, so many of my teachers were good. So many of my teachers were good. I mean, I think often though it is just an, it's, it's someone that speaks to you, and it, like you say, that what you just described there is a, is an excellent example of that. And it's not necessarily about 
you know, if you're lucky enough to have lots of great teachers, but there's there's always something about one person or two people that speaks, and whether it's the fact they speak to you directly, whether it's like you say they come across and they teach in a way that you really understand and speaks to you, then you know, it. I think there's there's, there's no right or wrong, and it it just is. I think to understand and feel that there's always somebody, and I think when you can when you can almost articulate what that is that then helps you moving forward especially if obviously if you're going to become a teacher or going to be in an academic world but I think also in terms of that you know it's all about communication and I think understanding how that works helps you no matter what area that you go into. I think um, that's right and I, 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 as you were talking I was thinking about what made him and the other teachers I liked different and I think it's because I was a little bit cheeky in class and there were some teachers you just found that really annoying and rude and some who kind of found it quite funny and reacted in a different way to it. I, I, I guess it's like, you know, did, did my kind of personality mesh with theirs? Yeah. And I, I, I think the teachers that I really got on with just, yeah, I, it, it was a kind of personality thing, you know, and, 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 and it was just fun, you know, being in the classes with Mr. Craig and, and the other teachers that I, I really liked. It was just, it was fun. It was it was fun yeah i think that's always a great place to start and finish if it's fun and it's engaging then you're on to an absolute winner um what was the best piece of advice you've ever been given so i've i've been again i've been really lucky i I, i've had loads of great advice um the i think the in, in terms of practical advice i read this absolutely brilliant book which is quite famous kind of in in kind of startup circles which is called the lean startup which is i think by eric reese I'm looking for it now. I think it's by Eric Reese. It's called the Lean Startup, and what that says is, when you're creating a product, don't worry about making it absolutely perfect and polished before kind of putting it in front of people. You want to just put it in front of people as soon as you possibly can, then get the feedback on it, and then kind of iterate it that way. And that's that's kind of advice I've taken totally to heart, and that's how we run. That's how I started Massalit. Um, and and if, if, if you've seen, if you could see the f- very first version of the websites seven years ago, you will you'll see how much I've taken that advice to heart. Um, but even now, when, when we're kind of launching different features and products, um, I'm, I'm always a fan of just let's just get it out there, get a version of it out there, and then and then see what teachers say about it, and, and then kind of iterate it from there. Yeah. But that, but that you know, if, advice that book as as advice, I, I I've I thought was brilliant. And what advice would you give your younger self sort of looking looking back now? And I guess this is quite interesting, bearing in mind you're providing content for younger people as well. Oh, I think, I think, um, hmm, I think, oh, I, I don't think I'll give myself, I don't think I'll change anything, you know, academically or professional career wise. I think, you know, I'd love I love my degree. I love doing the masters. I kind of enjoyed my my path to where I am now. I think, and this is still a feature of my kind of personality now, which is that I, I think I'm too averse at kind of trying new things, and I, and, I, and I kind of too often say, "Oh, you know, I'm not going to bother, not going to try, not going to bother doing that." And so I would say to myself, "Try it. You know, you might like it." 
give it a go and see. And I th- like I say, what, what's the worst that can happen is often the, the key thing, isn't it? Because you never know where it's going to lead you. Sometimes it's a person that you meet. Sometimes it takes you down a road you weren't expecting and all sorts of things can happen from there. And uh, I think that's that's always great advice. And I, I just always hope whenever I, when I have this conversation with people that would I have taken that advice on when I was younger and I kind of hope that people listening the more they hear that kind of thing the more the more they think yes I am just going to do something like that I, I was I was terrible at taking advice when I was young I still I still am not I still am not that great at taking advice to be honest but you know that's why that's why I kind of hesitated but thinking what advice would I give myself what advice would the younger self listen to I don't think I'd listen to much at I don't think I would listen to that much advice. No, but I think what you said, you probably you would strike a chord with people, which I think is great. Um, so let's round things off. Tell us a little bit about how people can get involved. Because like you said, I think once you immerse yourself in, in Masterlet and you can see what's involved in the quality and like you say, the breadth of everything. But of course, it's it's getting involved in that and seeing that to begin with. And I know you have a free trial. So tell us a little bit about how that's working at the moment and how people can really immerse themselves in, in exactly what's available. Yeah. So um, Maslit is available to schools and institutions only. We don't offer personal accounts at the moment. So um, if you do want to use it, you'll have to be via your school. We offer, we, we are offering at the moment an extended free trial, which is a month long. Um, and you can sign up for that on the website and you enter your details and name and email and we'll send you a login that you can use. And then you can have free range of the entire site for a month. Um, which is a good opportunity to get a lot of learning done. Um, and at the end of that month, um, if you want to sign up, great, and um, we can take through that process. But if you don't want to sign up, that's 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 fine too. Um, but you get a whole month to try us out. And is that you say? It, so it's for a school. So once the you have access as a school, then any member of staff can can use it. That's right. Yeah, um, we. Wait, we, we, there's loads of ways you can use it. Some some schools just have IP-based access, so you just you go to the site and it logs you in automatically. Um, some some schools they they have one login that everyone at the school can use. Some schools, everyone at the whole school can sign up for their own individual accounts. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in principle, you're absolutely right. It, this is this is once the school signs up, um, th- this is something that everyone at the whole school can use. All the staff, all the students, and anyone. And what I really like about the access to this is the fact that when we're in this this time in our lives where online learning itself is incredibly important because, of course, many people have been in lockdown in recent weeks, but also the fact that the person listening to this can actually then have a look at the website, go to their school, say, I think this is worth a, a little bit of exp- exploration, and they can go and do that on behalf of the school, and then from there it can filter out through, and, and so many people that won't have heard this directly can then have access to it, and the school can then provide it for everyone else. And I like that kind of pebble effect. Well, we um, yeah, that that's exactly right. And 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 what's interesting about when schools do get involved in this is that it's very often a teacher from one department will, will spot us somewhere, and they'll sign up for a free trial. And then it will kind of percolate through the school and the English teacher might speak to the classics teacher or the history teacher and they'll get involved and, and it kind of go, it kind of spreads that way. And, and it's really it's really nice to see, actually. And what, what I like the most about it is the fact that, like you say, you do hear of organisations that have this in the computer science, in the maths area and that kind of thing. But this was one of the first things that I'd really come across, which was um, in those different subject areas. And I think that'll be music to many people's ears. Well, it's interesting because 
um, I think I mentioned I went to Hong Kong in December for a, for a kind of learning and teaching and learning expo. It's the biggest teaching and learning expo in, in Southeast Asia, apparently. And oh, I don't know, there must have been about a thousand exhibitors, like loads of exhibitors. And I went around that hall and I think we were the only company there that did arts and humanities. Everyone else was doing science and maths, that, which, which I think is crazy. Yeah, and I think in, in that kind of, you know, in the in the broadening of understanding and life in the world that we live in, I think uh, if, even if you're a, a small percentage of a guiding light, it's still a guiding light and to have access to it is, is, is amazing. So tell us the name of the website and where people can go directly to check it out. Sure. So it's Massolit, that's M-A-S-S-O-L-I-T, and it's .io, Massolit.io. But if you Google Massolit, um, we should be top of the search um, results. And once you're on the site, there's a link at the top of the page to free trial. And if you click on that, that's where you can enter your details. And um, we'll take it from there. Fantastic. Well, Chris, thank you so much for chatting and explaining exactly how it works and, and and i think like i say you're a guiding light in 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 broadening everyone's horizons for that and i think whether you're a teacher whether you're going to be a student um across the academic spectrum to, to get all this benefit is going to be wonderful for everyone so thanks very much for spending your time with us today good to chat thanks very much thanks for listening to the education on fire podcast for more information of each episode and to get in touch go to educationonfire.com Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire. I'd like to thank the National Association for Primary Education for their continued support and sponsorship of this show. NAEP are currently supporting teachers by producing fortnightly videos which cover themes like art, school trips and literacy. Also, they are giving away e-copies of their professionally produced journal, Primary First. To find out more about the association, please go to nape.org.uk. That's N-A-P-E dot org dot uk